1: Sermon notes, we're going to continue uh, in this theme, this sermon series that we've been talking about on identity theft. It's an identity theft series. Now, we've all heard about Equifax. I'm going to be doing a seminar on that. Uh, we have just recently heard about Yahoo, which now says 3 billion instead of 1 billion, 3 billion. Uh, Lives have been exposed through them. But I believe there's a much greater risk for all of us than what can take place if someone just steals our personal identity. I think identity theft is something that's not brand new. It's been going on for centuries. And the leader of it is Satan himself. What Satan's been trying to do is steal your and my identity on who we are in Christ Jesus. And that's what we've been unpacking here over the last several weeks. One of our memory verses is John 10, 10. It says, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And of course, we know the thief is Satan, right? So his goal is to target you to steal and kill and destroy you. And he's doing that a lot through folks struggling with discovering who they are in the person of Jesus Christ. Two weeks ago, I spoke about how we're being robbed by relationships in other words it's where individuals are trying to discover their identity or find their identity in someone else and they're doing everything in the world to be accepted by that individual and that's the reason why a lot of things are going to place in our are going on in our culture today is because folks are searching for acceptance in someone else and they're placing all of their identity in the relationships that they have uh, there's a, a troubling um problem also within marriages called codependency uh, where they're just living to please the other individual and and that creates some some problems and so satan is robbing a lot of folks simply because they're being robbed by relationships last week we talked about how we're mugged by the mirror and what we mean by that is where we try to find our identity in our looks and in ourself and we're doing everything in the world thinking boy if only if I only could look this way, if I only could lose five, ten pounds, if I only had a, a shorter nose and it wasn't so big, if I only had hair, if I didn't have glasses, and the list goes on and on and on, and we beat up ourselves and we lose who we are. Let me tell you something. God did not make a mistake when he made you. You understand? Look at your neighbor, tap him on the shoulder right now and say, you are not a mistake. Go ahead, do that. You are not a mistake. <clears throat> God made you to be you. And matter of fact, as soon as he made you, he threw away the mold. There's no one else that has the DNA that you have. You are you and you're the person that God wants you to be. And he wants you to, to discover who you are in his son Christ Jesus. Okay. So, um, boy, that should help a lot of folks that struggle with maybe self-esteem issues, right? You know, I know early on, and I shared this with you last week in my ministry 25 plus years ago, when I started preaching every Sunday morning, I'm thinking, okay, what is my style going to be? Who am I going to be? And I was trying to pattern myself after these pastors that I had looked up to and that had influenced me for many years to get to the point where I was at that time. Finally, I had to realize it was the most liberating day in my entire ministry when I realized that God had called John Cannon to be John Cannon. Not anybody else, not someone else, not patterning my life after this person or that person. Just be me. Most liberating day in my entire ministry. Because I realized I could just be me. And you could just be you, okay? So uh, do not allow Satan to rob you of your identity by looking in the mirror and being mugged by the mirror. Today we're going to talk about being pickpocketed by the past. There's a lot of folks that their identity today is all because of what took place in their life in the past. And I'm not talking about the past back when you accepted Christ as your Savior. I'm talking about something that maybe traumatically took place in your life. That you now are dragging that baggage and that luggage with you all through life. And Satan is robbing and stealing your identity. He's pickpocketing you because of your past the very last verse of scripture i have in your sermon notes is philippians three thirteen. it's where the apostle paul said i forget those things which are behind and i press ahead for those things which are before okay so there are some things that we need to let go of there are some things that we need to let go in the past I want to talk to you this morning about a story of a man named Dave. This is a true story that I want to share with you about this man named Dave. Dave was a godly man. Dave was a man that loved the Lord. Just so you know, I am not talking about Dave Hornyak. Okay? It's not who I'm talking about. But this Dave loved God. This Dave loved the Lord. This Dave was used by God to do some great things. This Dave would look around and he would help people that were down and out. This Dave would look around and if someone was being hurt by someone else, he would be the one to, to run in and rescue that individual. Dave was a man who walked by faith. But one day, Dave found himself at home alone. The house was empty. It was just himself. The wife was gone for the weekend. The guys that he worked with were away on a business trip. He should have been with them on the business trip, but he was struggling with some depression. So he decided not to go on this particular business trip with these guys. His relationship with the Lord is not where it used to be. As a matter of fact, his prayer life wasn't where it used to be. His relationship and his fellowship with God wasn't what it used to be. And I guess we all maybe could relate to that a little bit. He didn't feel like doing things that he used to do. He didn't feel like doing the job and the work that he was so good at. He started letting a lot of that stuff slide. He's at home one weekend and he gets on the computer. And he finds his way to Facebook. He runs across a lady by the name of Beth. He and Beth start chatting a little bit. And he sees that Beth's husband is away on a business trip. Matter of fact, Beth's husband is away on the very same business trip that he should have been on. But he finds himself chatting a little bit with Beth. The chatting on Facebook. Led to a little bit more what we would call quote unquote innocent flirting with Beth. Next thing you know Beth shares with Dave. Chatting on Facebook. That she was scared. A little bit of afraid. To be home alone since her husband was gone. So Dave, being the man that he's always been to, re- lead, to rush to someone's rescue, thought, well, I'll just come over and see if I can keep you company a while and so you won't be afraid. He goes over to Beth's house. One thing led to another. You know where this story is going. And an affair took place. Dave winds up in an affair with this individual i put on your sermon notes one of the questions, one of the very first questions I want you to look at. Have you ever done things in your life that seem to have been defining moments in a negative way? These things keep you up at night. These things impact you. If only you had acted different. These things will not let you forget nor others forget. Will not let you forget. They'll hold you hostage to that identity. Maybe it was an adulterous affair. So now you're labeled Joe the adulterer. Maybe it was a DUI that you received. And now you're labeled Alice the alcoholic. Maybe it was drug use that you were involved in. And now you just can't seem to shake. That reputation. And now you're Sam the addict. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about being pickpocketed by the past. Letting something that took place in your life define who you are today. Maybe your past You haven't always acted the way that you should have acted. Maybe you've been labeled a loser. Maybe you've been labeled a problem child or a problem kid or a problem teen. You just can't seem to shake that identity. So now you're Bill the loser. You're Jim the nobody wants in the class. You're Tony the class clown. You're Dan the problem child. And it goes on and on and on. While our past does include some of the things that we did... And some of the things that we did in our past, there are some consequences to doing those things. I told our kids all their life, Ben, when we were raising them, you are free to do anything in the world you want to do. You're free to make any choice. You're free to make any decision. You're free to do whatever it is that you want to do. You're free to do that. But you're not free to choose the consequences of those choices. Whatever choices you make, you are going to reap the consequences of those choices. There's something in the Bible that alludes to that. It says, whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also what? Reap, right? So obviously some of the things that take place in our past define who we are today. But look at the second quote or second sentence that I have in your sermon notes. I want you to see it is Satan... Who tries to steal the identity that we can have in Christ Jesus and he tries to pit pocket our past. And it's Satan who says, and look at the next sentence I have in your notes. Satan says you can never be a good or a godly person considering what you've done in the past. Has Satan ever brought that up to you? And Satan never taken you back to one of those defining moments that may have impacted your life in a negative way? And said, you can never be a good person. You can never be a godly person. You can never really get involved in that church. There's really no place for you because of this. And he takes us back to that place. Been there? Maybe Satan's done that to you. Well, I'm here to tell you today that you can be liberated from that. I'm here today to tell you that you can experience freedom from that. Satan tries to keep you tied to that identity, and he tries to keep you away from all that God has for you. Well, let's go back to the story of Dave. You may by now have figured out that this Dave that I'm talking about, matter of fact, let me show you where he is. Take out your phones or your tablets or your Bible and turn to page 51. I mean, Psalm 51. Turn to Psalm 51. It's the passage of scripture that Dustin read for us earlier today. This man that I was talking about by the name of Dave is simply just a modern day version of what took place with King David and Bathsheba. Right? It's exactly what took place. And, of course, we see what took place with King David and Bathsheba. We see that unfolding today in our culture. Maybe somewhat how I painted that picture of how one thing led to another and there was an affair that took place. But here's what I want you to know. This Dave that I was talking about, this story of Dave that I painted for you in 21st century vernacular, I want you to know is a Dave that went on to do great things for the Lord. He was a great king. He passed down a godly legacy. Did he make a mistake? Yes. Did he sin against God? Yes. Did Satan try to get him to stay stuck in his past in that identity? Yes. Did he overcome that? Yes. How did he do that? That's what I want to share with you in my message today. There's five things that David did to overcome the negative Incident the negative event that took place in his life that every single one of us can use today to overcome what it is that Satan may be dragging you and tying you back into you can be liberated from that today you can be freed from that today. You can become the person that God wants you to be today if you'll look at these five things that I believe we see in Psalm 51. Now, I'm not going to go and read, and Byron, I think I have the entire text in there. Um, Dustin read our text for us, so I'm not going to go and read all of that. But I am going to draw your attention back to Psalm 51 as I unpack these five things that every single one of us need to do. So, in order to avoid, point number one on the back of your notes... In order to avoid being pickpocketed by the past, five things you need to do. Number one is this. You need to receive God's love. You need to receive God's unfailing love. I want you to look in your Bible or even in your sermon notes. I have the the scripture, I believe, on the front part of your uh, sermon notes. Psalm 51 in verse number 1a, the beginning part of that. It says, Have mercy on me, O God, According to your unfailing love. It should be the slide number one, Byron. It says receive God's. Yeah, you can go there. Okay. have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. We just sang about that. We were just singing about God's unfailing love. And I started getting a little bit excited there because I knew that tied right in with exactly what we've got to do in order to move forward from a negative experience that we had in the past. We've got to receive God's unfailing love. Guys, do you realize that God loves you? I mean, really, do you realize He loves you? There's nothing you'll ever do in your life to cause God to love you any more, nor is there anything you'll ever do in your life to cause God to love you any less. He loves you. It's that simple. So what we've got to do is simply receive God's unfailing love. He looks at us and he knows that we're just a sinner that needs to be saved by his amazing, marvelous grace. And that's what the whole plan of salvation is all about. For God so loved the world that what? He gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting, eternal life. That is unfailing love. So in order for us to move forward, we've got to understand that we need to receive God's unfailing love. And because God is merciful, because God is gracious, he extends that unfailing love to us. So if you don't get point number one, if you don't get to the place where you realize that God loves you, regardless of what took place in your past You'll always be trapped in that identity. And you would never be the person that God has created you and wants you to be until you let go of that thing in the past. Do not allow it to define you of who you are today. Don't glory in it. Don't drag everybody back there to it. Paul said Philippians 3.13, last verse in your sermon notes. Once again, I'd bring your attention to it. Forget those things which are behind. Press towards the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Reach to those things that are before, right? Receive His unfailing love for you. Now, I'm gonna give you four more. But right here, I feel like I just need to call a timeout. If you're here today and you've never received this, these other four aren't gonna make any difference to you whatsoever. If you haven't acted on step one, the next four I share with you are not going to do you any good. So I wonder real quickly, let's everyone bow your head. Close your eyes. No one looking around. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I just want to ask you right now to search your heart, search your life, search your soul. Do you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? Have you received his unfailing love For God so loved the world. Where it says the world, I want you to put your name. Here we go. For God so loved, put your name there. That he gave his only begotten son for you. And that if you would simply believe in him, believe in his son Jesus, ask him into your heart, ask for forgiveness of your sin, trust in Jesus Christ, receive his unfailing love, then you can have eternal life. And you are on the first step of the pathway of restoring your identity and being the person whose God has called you to be by letting go of what has held you hostage however many years in the past. Father, I pray right now for that individual that you are dealing with. And I just pray that everyone under the sound of my voice in this room, out on this podcast, wherever this may be going, Lord, I just pray that whoever is listening right now, And Lord, you're fingering around in their heart. I pray that everyone knows you as their Lord and their Savior. That right now they have confessed their sins to you, believe you died on the cross, you were buried, you rose again the third day, you ascended to the right hand of God the Father. There you're making intercession for us and right now we trust you, Jesus, as our Lord and our Savior. We receive your unfailing love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's step one. Now let me give you four more and I'll be quicker on these so I don't keep you here all day, okay? Number two is this one and I think this is big also. You've got to confess your sin. Psalm 51 really is David's, it's David's prayer. Okay, Psalm 51 is his prayer. He had been confronted by his sin. Nathan, the prophet, came up to him, gave him an analogy. David got furious. He looked at David in the eyes. He said, thou art the man. David then starts confessing and repenting and realized that he had done wrong. And in Psalm 51 here, verses 3 and 4, he confesses now his sin. So whatever it is, that negative thing that may have been haunting you from the past, You've got to realize that if you were involved in that thing, it is sinful, then confess it. And that's what David is doing in Psalm 51 in verse 3. He says, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you and you only, Lord, have I sinned. So David is owning his sin. He's owning that thing in the past that was bringing him down in a negative way. He's confessing his sins to the Lord in first John 1 8 9. We can't sit here and say that we are without sin. First John 1 8 says this if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth's not in us. Every single one of us have sinned. So what do we need to do? We need to camp out in first John 1 9 that it says, If we confess our sins, that He is faithful and just, to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness psalm 32 and i put it in your notes there verses 3 and 5 is another psalm where david's crying out to the lord and it says in verse number five that i acknowledged my sin to you and i confess my transgressions to you O lord so the point is we've got to confess our sins to the lord we've got to ask for him to forgive us which leads us to point number three confess your sin number two point number three receive god's forgiveness okay you're receiving God's unfailing love. You're confessing that sin, whatever it is that you were a part of, possibly like Dave or whatever it is you were a part of. That Satan's dragging you back and keeping you in the path and stealing your identity of who you are in the person of Christ. You've got to receive God's love. You've got to confess your sin. Now you've got to receive his forgiveness. And that's what David is doing in Psalm um, 51 and verse 14. David says, save me from blood guilt, O God. Psalm 32, verse 5, he says, you forgave the guilt of my sin. Satan will always keep dragging you back and telling you that you do not deserve God's forgiveness, that you deserve to live in the place that you're living in now, robbed and stolen, your your identity, that you're still an addict, that you're still a killer, that you're still an adulterer, whatever that label may be that Satan has tagged you as. Satan is saying you're always going to be that. God's saying, no, you're not. If you receive my unfailing love, you confess my, or confess your sins to me and then receive my forgiveness, it's gone. The scripture teaches us that our sins are removed as far as the east is from the west. Think about that. Whenever we confess our sins to the Lord, He removes them as far as the east is from the west. Why did He not ever say, you know, if you keep going west, you're always going to be going west, right? All the way around the globe, and you just keep going west. You're always going west. West never meets east. If you go east, you're always going east. They're removed. He didn't say they're removed as far as the north is from the south. You can get to a point, you go north, and you're going to start going, talk to me, church. South, right? You keep going west, you're always, they're removed. I like that. Your sins are forgiven. Let me give you First John 1, 9 again. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to what? Forgive us. Number four is this one. Accept God's purification. God wants to cleanse you. He wants to purify you. He wants to wash away that negative impact or experience that you had in the past. But only when you receive his unfailing love. Only when you receive God's love and confess your sins and receive his forgiveness. Then number four, accept his Purification. Look what he says in Psalm 51, 7 and 10. David's crying out to the Lord. He says, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. David is asking for God's purification on his life. I love 1 John 1, 9, the very end of it. The verse says, if we confess our sins, that he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us. Everybody say cleanse. Now, I don't know about you, but I remember when I was a boy in school. I loved school. I loved school. Now, I didn't love learning, but I loved being around people and being in school, right? All the kids are gone, right? So They can't hear this. And sometimes because I just love being around people, I would get in trouble. I would talk too much. I'd be late for class. I'd be hanging out in the hallway where I wasn't supposed to be. I mean, just kind of doing stuff like that. Not really trying to be mean, just enjoying school like I was supposed to do, right? Probably should have put more learning and paying attention to it, but I just enjoyed being around people. So sometimes, for my penalty and my punishment, I won't tell you all my punishment. But I remember those boards of education. I know exactly what the board of education is all about. And it's not eight men sitting behind a desk. It's one board with holes drilled in it, sitting in the front drawer of the principal's desk. Anybody ever experienced that? Anybody, did anybody ever experience that? Raise your hand. Yeah, Jim, I know you experienced it. Yes, sir. I, I know you did. They don't have those anymore, do they? Terry, you got one of those in your desk at school? No? Or well, you're a high school teacher. Hopefully you shouldn't have one there. But I remember my punishment was I'd go into the school and they'd say, okay, because you did X, Y, Z, you're going to now have to stay inside during recess and you're gonna to have to wash the blackboards. Okay? Now, the blackboards is what they use with chalk on it. Some of the younger folks may not have a clue what I'm talking about. You know, no computers back then. No over screen head projectors. It was just a chalkboard. Right? And the chalkboard, it was as long as this church building. It took up the whole wall. Right? And they marked all over that. And so I'd stay in at recess and they would say, okay, your job's to clean it. So all this writing was on there of everything that we had been learning. The teacher was trying to teach us and I'd go in with an eraser and I just started erasing it. Okay. And then I ran outside to play and I thought, I'm done. She would drag me back in there. You're not done. I said, it's off the board. She said, can you still read it? I said, yeah. You know how you guys understand it leaves a residue behind when you erase it. You understand what I'm talking about? She said, not only must you erase it, but then you got to go over here and get a bucket of water and a sponge. And you got to start at the top. Some folks don't have a clue what I'm talking about. But some of you, I know exactly. You've done this. I can tell by some of you guys' expression. And you have to start at the top and just wash this. And then it's completely black and shiny. And you can't see anything on it. You know, that's exactly... Whenever I read 1 John 1, 9, that's what I think about. And I'm thinking about, God, that's why I did those things, so I could have sermon illustrations whenever you called me to be a preacher, and I would know how to illustrate this stuff, right? (laughs) That may not be necessarily true. That's a stretch. But God says this. If you confess your sins, I'm faithful and just to forgive you. You know what the forgiving part of it is? That's when God takes the eraser, and he just erases it. Okay? But then he says this. Not only my faithful and just to forgive you, but to cleanse you. Now the sponge is coming, dipped in the Holy Spirit water, if you will. That's a stretch also. But you can see the picture. Cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So now I'm clean. There's no reason any of us should be stuck in what Satan's trying to stick us in in our past. Especially if we've experienced 1 John 1, 9. If we've asked God to forgive us and then cleanse us. We're clean when we stand before Christ in Christ Jesus. That's your new identity. You're not stuck back there in the past. You're not back there. Scripture says, Behold, all things become new. Fifth one, I'm done, is this. Obey God's way. To avoid being pickpocketed by the past, we need to receive God's love, confess our sins... Receive His forgiveness, accept purification that only comes from the, from the Lord, and obey His commands. Look what David did in Psalm 51, 12, and 13. He says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. You ever lost your joy? You ever got to the place in your life where you just, man, you just lost your joy. There's only one way we can lose the joy of our salvation. It's when we have unconfessed, unrepented sin in our life. Whenever we ask for cleansing and forgiveness of that, the joy of our salvation, of the Lord's salvation, can return to us. And then he says, Grant me a willing spirit. Help me to be obedient to you, O God. You see, folks, whenever we get to the place where we receive his love, confess our sins, receive his forgiveness, accept his purification, that's going to lead us to have a desire to serve the Lord and obey him and be willing to serve him. So last thing I want to get for you in your notes here. And I'm going to ask the band to come on up, please. Last thing I want you to see in your notes is this. Our focus does not need to be on the past, but upon the Lord and what he calls us to. You're not here by mistake today. You're not hearing this message by mistake today. And I'll go ahead and say, we put this out on the internet. Whoever listens to it on the podcast, they didn't accidentally stumble into it. There are no accidents with God, there's only divine appointments. You're here for a reason. You've heard this for a reason. Maybe there's something in your past that Satan keeps dragging you back to. He's robbing you of your spiritual identity, of who God wants you to be in Christ Jesus. Receive his unfailing love. Confess your sin to the Lord. Receive his forgiveness. Accept your purification. Be obedient and quit focusing on the past. Stop it. Stop it. That's Satan dragging you back there. No doubt he did the Apostle Paul that. Let me tell you real quickly. In Philippians, it's an amazing little book. It's the book that has the most joy in it. In the entire word of God. It's one of the most inspiring. Joyful books you'll ever read. In the entire Bible. But it was written by a man. Who persecuted the church. It was written by a man. Who would drag professing Christians out. And have them stoned. And killed. No doubt. Satan drug him back. To the stoning of Stephen. Stephen. When the Apostle Paul, at that time, was Saul of Tarsus, he was going to stop this thing called Christianity. And Stephen was a great preacher of the gospel. and Saul had him stoned and killed. He was a murderer. But yet, the Apostle Paul went on to do great things for the Lord outside of the person of jesus Christ, i believe the apostle paul was the greatest preacher in all the earth planted these churches went on these three different missionary journeys god used him to do great things but only after he did these five things and even some more in psalm 51 or that's david psalm 51 acknowledged his sin saul did the same thing acknowledged his sin and went on to do great things for the lord Guys, that's what we got to do. But Paul wrote in Philippians 3.13, I forget those things which are behind. No doubt Satan kept bringing it to his memory. You persecuted the church. You stoned Stephen. And there's some visual things that you can get in your mind that, guys, you know you just cannot get out of your mind once you see it. That's why I try to guard some things. I, I... I just don't like to watch all these videos of all these killings and these horrific shootings and everything. I'm very sad what took place in Vegas. I haven't seen the video yet. I refuse to look at it. I don't want to see it. I know evil's out there. I don't want to feel it in my mind. I don't want to look at it. And I'm not sticking my head in the sand. I know it's there. But, but no doubt Saul had the killing of Stephen in his mind. And Satan kept dragging him back there. No doubt he looked at Satan and said, I forget those things which are behind. And I press and I focus on the call of God in my life today. I am a new man in Christ Jesus. Guys, you can be a new person in the Lord. So I'm just here to try to encourage you today. It's really all I'm trying to do. Stop allowing Satan to drag you to whatever that negative defining moment was in your past that he's trying to label you as today and steal your spiritual identity receive God's unfailing love confess your sins receive his forgiveness bask in his purification rise up and obey his word And you'll be amazed at the new person you will become in Christ Jesus. I asked Tyler to sing this song at the end of our service today. Because verse number two, I think think this song, The Stand, I think it really helps us identify what our identity in Christ is. Verse number two, let me read the words to you. It says, you stood before my failure. You carry the cross for my shame. My sin weighed upon your shoulders. My soul now to stand. That's our new identity right there. Our soul now to stand in the identity of Christ. So what can I say? So what can I do but offer this heart, oh God, completely to you? The chorus of this song, I want it to be our prayer. Listen to what it says. So I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all. So I'll stand, my soul, Lord, to you surrender. All I am is yours. May that be our prayer as we let go of the past and walk in the newness of Christ and allow the Lord to lead us. Let's all stand together.
0: Well, thank you for joining us for this lesson from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360 or you can email us at victoryfwb@gmail.com. at gmail.com. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email... Call or send a request to 223 Scott Troy Road, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.